0: Good evening. It's good to be back with you this evening. We'll be studying from Matthew chapter 7. If you want to get out your Bibles and turn there uh, to be preparing for our study together. Uh, it's been a good day. I'm thankful that the storms have stayed away so far. Uh, be sure to watch those tonight as things start to get a little bit rough, it looks like, coming through. Hopefully Lord, the Lord will protect us throughout that. Um, There's a few announcements before we begin uh, that I wanted to make note of. Uh, Megan's grandfather is in critical condition. Uh, He's been in the hospital uh, dealing with uh, a lot of problems. He, I think, was coughing up blood, and that revealed that he had cancer. And so anytime that happens, usually that's a really bad situation. You don't want those symptoms to be showing because the level of cancer uh, a lot of times is is worse than it would have been if it had been caught earlier so be thinking about her grandpa he's been moved to south alabama uh, and and so be, be thinking about him also uh, Paulette's mother fell and hit her head on the concrete and uh, they think that she now has bleeding in her brain so be thinking about Paulette and her mother as she's uh, dealing with that and trying to overcome that and in the hospital for that um, At this time, let's go to God in prayer and then we'll begin our study tonight. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the blessings that you shower upon us every day and our opportunity to come together to study your word, to learn from uh, your son and the the wonderful uh, wisdom and understanding that he gives us about you and about how we ought to live our lives. Lord, as we open up your word this evening and as we Allow it to uh, perform surgery on us, to, uh, to cut us, and to, to help us understand where we've made mistakes. We pray, Lord, that you'll uh, be with us and give us tender hearts. Help us, Lord, to overcome whatever kind of uh, arrogance or pride or anything like that that we may have inside of us. Help us to open ourselves up to the truth. Help us to love you uh, and help us to put you in the forefront of our minds and our hearts. Lord, we're mindful of all those who are suffering right now and uh, those who are dealing with sickness and and different struggles. And we pray, Lord, that you will care for them uh, and comfort them throughout this time, especially those that were mentioned as being in the hospital, uh, those in critical condition. We pray, Lord, that your your hand will be with them, that you will heal them if it's your will, uh, and that you will bring them back to another uh, portion of life again. Lord we thank you Lord for hearing our prayers for being with us throughout this difficult time uh, for encouraging us as we uh, are are encouraged by your word as we are encouraged by the faithfulness of your people. Uh, please help us to remain faithful no matter what happens. Help us to look to you for guidance throughout all of this and to grow stronger from this as we strive to please you. Thank you Lord for uh, the health of each one that we know of, and we pray that you'll continually to uh, strengthen us and help us to overcome whatever happens. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so we're going to continue our study in the Sermon on the Mount uh, this evening, looking at Matthew chapter 7. Uh, we're going to be looking at one of the most well-known passages in all of the Bible but unfortunately, it is also the most poorly applied passages in all of the Bible. Uh, everyone knows this text, and we know what this text means to some extent. Uh, but most, if not all of us, struggle with applying these words to ourselves. Let's, let's read them. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus tells his disciples here to stop judging. This is what he says, the very first verse. Judge not, do not judge, lest you also be judged. Uh, In order to keep yourself from being judged, he tells his disciples, do not judge. When we hear these words, we probably cringe inside, uh, because the idea of don't judge has been so abused in our society today. Uh, so many people want to think that this is saying, as long as I don't judge anyone else, then no one should be judging me. Right? This is the mentality of this text, that, that as long as I don't judge them, then no one can judge me, and I'm free and clear. And as long as I don't have a judgmental attitude, that's all that it takes for God to be pleased with me and for me to be righteous before him. At least on some level, we may believe that. Society around us may believe that. That that as long as we are not judgmental toward others, that there is no judgment waiting for us. Hopefully we can see though There's a lot of foolishness to this idea based on everything that Jesus has said in Matthew 5 and 6. There is an expectation of righteousness from God. And it's not just uh, being righteous in the sense that you don't judge other people. That's just one facet of the many moral truths that he has given to us. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, the very sermon he's been talking about, he's made a very clear statement that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom. We can't just ignore that. And all of the moral truths that he has been giving us throughout chapters 5 and 6. Don't be angry with your brother. Don't lust. Uh, Don't tell a lie. Don't uh, think evil or wish evil toward your enemy. Don't glorify yourself. Don't put your trust in this life and the things of this world. And don't be anxious about the necessities of life. All of these are moral truths that he has given us. And by saying, judge not that you be not judged, he's not saying, so I want you to stop thinking about all of those moral standards or stop caring about all those moral standards because all that really matters is that you don't judge anybody. But instead, what he's trying to do for us is help us understand an additional facet of the moral standard, the moral truth that he's been giving throughout this sermon. And that is that the way we perceive others must be very carefully considered. Because he condemns the abuse of these moral standards in order to be harmful, be harsh, be mean... Uh, Be judgmental toward other people. It's just another level of righteousness, another part of the righteousness that, that Jesus has been proclaiming throughout all of this sermon. He wants us to understand that all these Pharisees and all these scribes, their righteousness, their apparent righteousness, is, is based on their understanding of the law and their ability to tell everybody else what to do and their ability to judge other people and tell other people that they're wrong and that they're evil. And they're really just abusing the law to make themselves look good, to make themselves feel good. And he does not want his disciples to follow in their path. Now maybe we're tempted because the world misuses this text. The world says, stop judging me. Maybe we're tempted to just throw it out and say, of course we can judge, right? Jesus says, judge with righteous judgment. I think I've even used that before. Uh, So obviously we can judge, and it's true. Yes, we can judge. But the point of this text is to tell us to stop judging, to stop being so judgmental toward other people, to stop using the moral truths that he's given us to bash other people over the head with them. So we have to ask ourselves the the serious question, do we resemble the hypocrites he's trying to rebuke in this text, in our harsh judgments? And if we're doing this, why are we doing this? Are we placing a heavy burden for other people to bear on their backs while we're not willing to lift it ourselves? That's what he says about these hypocrites later in Matthew 23. We may look at these hypocrites, these Pharisees, these scribes, and be tempted to just say, well, we're nothing like them. But think about how easy it is for us to be like them, for us to be judgmental toward other people, for us to lay these moral truths on the backs of others while at the same time being completely unwilling to lift them ourselves. You know, I've noticed this in myself and this is something I'm probably going to be saying a whole lot throughout this lesson is uh, whenever I learn something that is true in the Bible, I want to go and I want to apply it to myself. And one thing that I often think is everybody should already know this, right? You guys have been Christians longer than me. Everybody should already know this truth and that truth and, and you should already be applying it. And I see everybody else is not doing it like I haven't been doing it and it somehow makes me feel better to condemn them for their failures. I'm tempted to think, well, they're obviously just dull of hearing. That's why they haven't believed it yet. That's why they haven't obeyed it. And we often are failing to see that everyone around us is growing at a different rate We're all learning different truths from Scripture and trying to apply all of these truths in our lives. We're trying to become as righteous as our God is, as as righteous as Jesus Himself. And there are all of these truths to keep and to maintain at one time. And so Jesus says, Do not judge other people. Do not be so focused on the failings of other people. We must be very, very careful. In verse 2, he gives us an understanding of why this is so important for us to be so careful. He says, uh, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus' purpose, as I said before, is not to remove the standard of judgment, but to help us understand that if we are not willing to hold ourselves to that standard and we're trying to apply them to others, then God is still holding us to that standard. That we're in trouble. We will be judged by the same measurement that we're using for other people. Uh, if you can imagine us going through the Sermon on the Mount and, and me constantly telling you, you must do all of these things perfectly. Perfectly. And if you fail in any of these things, then God is going to condemn you. I'm not keeping them perfectly. (laughs) That's not even possible for me to do. Like, I don't even see how that's a a thing for me to, to continually, throughout my life, never make a single mistake in any of these areas. I do seek to lay up treasures for myself on earth. And and I do fall into this trap. Or I do slightly bend the truth a little bit in order to make my life more comfortable. Or I do get angry at someone because they've done something against me. And if I am crying out for everyone to be perfect as God is perfect, or else they will be condemned, then my measurement is something that I cannot attain or that no one can attain. And Jesus is trying to help us come to the reality that, that even though Jesus is sitting here telling us, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, if we're looking at other people and telling them that, then we might fall into this snare of holding them to a standard, a measure which we ourselves are not attaining. We're condemning people, we're hurting people, we're harsh toward people about something that we should be harsh on ourselves about. We give ourselves maybe a path, a pass, for whatever reason, while holding it against them. One text that really weighs on my mind as I prepare sermons and as I think about these things is James chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, where he says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. As teachers, we must be aware of the fact that we fail, that we make mistakes, and that we are not perfect. Paul himself did not show himself to be perfect. He showed himself as striving for perfection, but as not feeling as though he had attained it. The standard of Christ is so above what we can actually attain. Does that mean that we should lessen the standard or or say that you shouldn't keep the law or it's okay that we mess up? Well, no. But the thing he wants us to see here is that it's really easy for us to apply the law to other people and speak speak evil against them. And if we do that, we're becoming judges rather than becoming their brother who helps them. We're becoming judges of them. And that's not our place. James 4, verses 11 and 12. James says, uh, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy but who are you to judge your neighbor? What we don't realize as we try to share the truth with others is that it's very easy for us to speak evil against them, for us to assume evil, assume something bad toward them, rather than uh, be kind to them and be loving to them and try to be helpful, we often turn it into an accusation or something that uh, we're, we're, we're looking down on them and thinking more of ourselves than we're thinking of them. And what James is trying to help us see and what Jesus is trying to help us see is that is that if we become boastful and if we become hateful as we command others to do the will of God, we're breaking the law by not loving our brother as we should. We're breaking the law that we're we're trying to get them to keep while at the same time we're breaking it. And we can't do that. In verses three through five, Jesus gives us an illustration of what that means um, and helps us with this. He says, out of your brother's eye. And in these verses, he gives us this vivid picture to help us think about what we're doing. One person has this splinter in their eye, another person has this log in their eye, and for some reason, the one with the log in their eye thinks I can help you with your splinter. That's what they're focused on, the other person's splinter, while having a log in their eye. This is a ridiculous and comical illustration, right? I mean, it's just comical. Like, who would ever do that? No one. No one would ever do that, right? Would we? Would we ever do that? Would we ever try to get a speck out of someone's eye while having a log in our own eye? Well, that's what Jesus says we're doing. As we're being critical of other people's spiritual failures. we're we're looking at them to get the speck out of their eye, as we're being critical to them, we actually have a log in our eye. I mean, how easy is this for us to do? We can do this about anything. Any kind of little doctrine that somebody has, we approach them with a judgmental, harsh attitude, and we've got this huge log in our eye. We're disobeying the second greatest commandment as we are hateful and harsh toward them. And yet, we're trying to fix their mistake in in keeping a command and they're not glorifying God the way they should but we've got a huge problem ourselves we've got a log in our eye so what are we going to do about this what are we going to learn from all of this well I knew that I was going to be coming into this lesson and uh, man I felt a dread I mean, there's just a number of lessons in the Sermon on the Mount that I dreaded, and and this is one of them, because it just hurts. I mean, chapter 5 and 6 is full of stuff that just hurts, right? Don't be angry. uh, Don't glorify yourself. don't, Don't trust in the things of this life. All of these things hurt so much, but this one really hurts for a preacher and for a teacher to think about. I knew that speaking about judging a brother would really be hard for me because I've had to overcome this and I'm still overcoming this all the time. One of the best lessons that I learned as I went into a preacher training program is to stop looking at things in this way. You all must stop sinning. If I get up here and preach a sermon and I say, You guys have to stop doing this. You all have to stop being angry with each other. You all have to stop judging each other. You guys have to be humble like me. <laughs> I'm missing it. I've just completely missed it. Instead, what Brent has helped me to understand is I'm approaching this with a we mentality we must stop doing these sins. It's not you must stop doing this. It's we must stop doing these sins. As I I approach Scripture in all of these lesson series that I'm on, I'm not picking them out to to really hit somebody I don't like in the audience. (laughs) You don't get that impression, I hope. We're just working our way through. And if it steps on your toes, it's not because I chose it to do that. It's because God knows what we need. And as we study through scriptures, it's going to step on our toes and it's going to hurt our feelings. It hurts mine all the time. And it's supposed to. We need to recognize preachers have not been hit by the righteous bus. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. And, and the more we know about the truth, the more tempted we are to use it against other people. And so this is something that I looked at as something that would be really hard for me. A constant battle for me. To remove all of my pride and to stop being overly critical of other people. Well, I think I've done that. Now I think I, I can be critical in these certain situations because I've gotten to such a level of righteousness that it's okay now. And, and, and now I'm just the perfect amount of critical. You see, that's the slope that we fall down. We we get into this mentality, this mindset of all the accomplishments that we've made, all that we've understood about the truth, about what God really wants us to do, and then we start somehow, some way justifying becoming critical of our brother. And it's just so easy for us to do. So, how can we find help with this? Well, notice what Jesus does. As he approaches this issue, he asks two questions. He asks a why question and a how question. The first question, why? Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye and do not notice the log in your own eye? It's just a point blank question. Why are you judging other people while ignoring your own sins? This is what we're doing. We're judging them, and we're just oblivious to all the mistakes we're making in the process. We're not even thinking about those things. We're too focused on that splinter rather than the log that is in our eye. We have a serious problem we're not willing to address because I care so much about their problem that I can't address my own. The second question he asks is, How could you? How could you say Let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye. You see how these two questions really get to the heart, like how ridiculous all of this is for us to do. Like, it's just ridiculous. Why in the world would I be so focused on someone else's sin Instead of thinking about my own sin, why would I be spending an inordinate amount of time on the problems of other people and spending such a little amount of time on my own sins? And how in the world could I think that it's okay for me to, te- to tell them what they're doing wrong in light of all of my failures? There's pride, there's arrogance. So he's implying some things that we must do. First of all, he's implying that we must evaluate ourselves. Why do I see the speck in their eye and not look at myself? I must evaluate myself. We must think about our own failures, our own sins. And we must spend a lot of time considering how we have failed to measure up to the standard of Christ. James says this in James 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You see, James is, is telling us about uh, looking into the law and just hearing what it says and not making any application to ourselves. As a teacher, this is an easy thing for us to do. As we're studying, we're studying to teach others That's the whole purpose. I need to find out what I can tell them that they don't already know so that I can fill them with all this good information and then they'll think much of me and think about how great I am, right? That's the whole purpose of my study. That's what it's all about. But James is trying to help us see if we're doing that, we're deceiving ourselves. We have to desire to see our own sins more than we desire to see the sins of others, And so as I open up the Word and I look into it, it cuts me. And if I am presenting a lesson before people without feeling the weight of the requirement of God's Word, without feeling the failures that I have made, then I'm doing a disservice to the Word. Our Bible studies have to affect our own hearts before we share what we've learned with anyone else. Can't be so focused on other people's problems and trying to solve their problems. I can't be listening to sermons and thinking, man, my husband, my wife, they sure need to hear this. I can't be reading scriptures to prove other people wrong. I guarantee that if we look hard enough at anybody around us, we're going to find something they're doing that's wrong it's easy to do but if we're condemning other people it's not making us more righteous it's not helping us to draw nearer to god it's actually hurting us because we're not loving our neighbor as we ought to we might even think as he points out we might even think we're helping them I can't tell you how many times I've thought I'm helping somebody as I'm being overly critical of them and judging them. But he helps us to understand that we can't truly help someone until we've done the self-evaluation properly. It's just not even possible. And that question, you know, how could I think that I'm good enough... to to take the speck out of someone's eye when there's a log in my eye is supposed to open our eyes to the fact that we have work to do on ourselves before we ever go and we ever help someone else. We're not ready to rebuke them until the log in our eye is removed. He says that in verse 5. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You see, the thing that we tend to do is, as I said before, we fill them with this information, thinking that that's going to help them take the speck out of their eye. But we're just casting heavy burdens on them that we're not willing to lift ourselves. And by just telling them, don't do that sin, we're not helping them. We're not helping people by telling them what they're doing wrong. I mean, in some way, it kind of helps. It's like the, the child that's trying to ride a bike, and I just tell them, you just gotta pedal. They only learned how to ride a bike last week. And if I'd have just sat back on my chair and said, pedal, you gotta pedal. You gotta what are you doing? Just pedal. Just do it. It's easy. I've always done this. It's no big deal. I'm not helping them at all. I mean, maybe they can figure it out on their own, but I'm really hurting them. I'm not thinking about what they're going through. I've not taken the time to consider what it took me to learn how to ride a bike. I'm not taking the time to, to figure out the difficulties and the obstacles that lie in their way. I'm not approaching it with humility, saying, who am I to tell them, after all that I've done, how to do this or how to do that? When we do that, we approach it that way, then we're opening the Scripture, we're looking into it, and we're persevering in it, like James said. We're persevering in it. We see that it tells us we're doing this and this and this wrong, and then we're learning how to do it better. We're, we're growing ourselves and we're learning how to speak in a way that is loving and caring so that we can actually help people. Have you ever spoken to somebody in a way that was not loving at all and found that you didn't do them any good? You spoke the truth, but the words you said had no impact whatsoever because of how we say it. We have to know the truth. We also have to understand the love of God toward us and the gentleness, the humility, and the compassion that he shows as he shares the truth with us. We have to get to the point where we can help others. Jesus doesn't say, uh, just focus on yourself and mind your own business and never tell anybody anything. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, just forget ever helping anybody. But he tries to help us understand that we should spend a lot of time correcting ourselves and growing ourselves before we get to the point where we can actually help other people. But as we continue in this text, as you, as you go to the next verse, this is a verse that actually troubles a lot of people. Let's read this together. He says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, doesn't this seem odd that Jesus would say this right after saying, don't judge lest you be judged? Listen, he's calling people dogs and swine. He's making a judgment about certain people and and saying that they are like dogs and swine. Is this completely contradictory to, to what he's been saying this whole time? He's just said, don't make judgments, and then he makes a judgment calling people dogs and swine. Well, he's not oblivious to the fact that there are going to be some people who are like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who we must use judgment and discrimination on as we're trying to teach them. He knows that there are some people who are going to take this judge-not principle ...to an extreme that is going to cause harm. And so he helps us understand... Yes, do not judge people. Start judging yourself. Start uh, correcting and evaluating yourself before you go to them. But he also helps us see there are going to be some people out there that you are going to have to make some discernment. You're going to have to make some discrimination about. Some people are going to be worthy of a harsh judgment. Not that you're going to give them a harsh judgment, but instead of giving them a harsh judgment, what he says they are to do is withhold what is holy. Withhold what is precious. Because they don't value what is holy. They don't value what is precious. And this is the picture of the Pharisees and the scribes. This is the way these men are. This is the way those who uh, are refusing to listen to the truth are. And he says if you are dealing with someone who is like that. Who is completely uh, rebellious against what is true. They're like a pig. They're like a dog. A society in that time would see pigs and dogs as some of the most unclean and filthy animals. They have no care about what is holy. They have no care about what is really precious to mankind. They're on a different level than mankind, right? Uh, You give them a pearl, they, they can't eat it. They don't know what to do with it, so they don't care about it. And if you fill their feed trough full of pearls, then they're going to be upset and they may turn and eat you to to find something to eat. Because that's all they care about, right? I've got to fill my stomach. I've got to have more and more to eat. They don't have a higher love or a sense of something greater. Why does Jesus use these animals? He wants to illustrate for us that some people are not ready for the help that we might even be able to give them after we overcome our judgmentalness as we understand the truth and as we approach them with gentleness and with meekness and humility they may not value it in fact they may turn and try to attack us how many examples of this do we find in scripture in paul paul uh, in acts Thirteen is in Antioch of Pisidia and he's, he's been preaching to the Jews and they wanted to hear more, but then they see this crowd that starts coming to listen and they're filled with jealousy and they begin to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. In verse 46, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, but since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. You see how Paul is is understanding that these are dogs and swine; These are men who are unable to accept what is so precious that is being given to them. They're rejecting it because of their own sinful passions and, and fleshly carnal desires that is inside of them. And so he's willing to just withhold it from them and say, you're not ready for this. Jesus is telling us it's okay to not give them more. After we give them something precious and they show a rebellious, defiant heart, unwilling to accept the truth, we're not commanded to shove more down their throats. But we're supposed to use discernment and take it to someone else. Maybe they're just not ready for it right now. Maybe God will work on their heart. Maybe God will provide opportunity for them to grow, for their heart to tenderize, to understand the truth one day. But here he says, don't give them what is holy, don't give them what is precious, if all they're going to do is just ruin it. Jesus is telling us, use discernment decide who to help, who not to help, Uh, have a love for people, uh, but also understand some people will not love the truth and it's okay to let them continue. How many times did Jesus do this? How many times did Jesus use parables instead of telling them outright what what, what the truth is? He used wisdom, he used discernment to try to reach them on other ways, but ultimately he let them make the decision to rebel against him. But Jesus is also giving us some insight in this to our own hearts. What if we are the dogs and the pigs? Do you ever think about that? It's so easy to just say, oh yeah, we need to look out for those dogs and those pigs. (laughs) But what if we are the dogs and the pigs? Maybe the reason why we continue to be so judgmental is because we refuse to listen to these teachings of Jesus. Maybe the reason why we're continuing to be angry and continuing to fall into all of these different kinds of sins is because whenever we hear those sins, we refuse to open our hearts to them. And we have pride and we have rebellion in our hearts. And instead of listening to the one who is trying to share the view with us, share the truth with us, maybe even in humility, but maybe in their self-righteousness that they're, they're criticizing us, maybe we turn away from it without first considering it. How many times do we trample over the truth that has been given to us because of our own heart's desires or because of the way someone has given us that truth? We have to first consider whether what they say is right. And if it is right, we have to be willing to humbly submit to what is being said to us. In Second Peter chapter 2. Peter uses these same animals in his illustration. By talking about people who fall into the, the teachings of false teachers. He says. For it would have been better for them. Those who believe the false teachers. If they had never, had known the, never to have known the way of righteousness. than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them what the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallowing in the mire. Is this how we respond to the truth being given to us? Do we reject the truth in light of something that sounds better, something that makes us feel better about ourselves? And are we taking that holy commandment delivered to us And instead of digesting it and becoming better from it, do we vomit it up and do we go wallowing out in the mud doing the evil that we know we shouldn't do? This lesson, as I said before, it hits home for me. It's not an easy lesson to preach because I know I struggle with this. Um, it's an easy thing to struggle with, to, to deal with. As we're studying all these great truths about Jesus and learning about how wonderful he is and how he expects us to be holy, he expects us to be righteous, he expects us to grow to be more and more like him, we can now look at other people and say, well, they're not, and then we feel much better, don't we? I mean, it does. It makes us feel better uh, and, and find some comfort in that. But instead, Jesus calls us to a higher level of righteousness. To instead of focusing on others, to focus on ourselves. Notice how Jesus himself, when he came to earth, came with humility and with the purest heart as he revealed all of these things to us. He didn't come looking for an opportunity to judge or to condemn. He came looking for the opportunity To save. Think about what he's done for us. We were all filthy animals. Deserving of nothing. And he gives us this great pearl that's beyond value. And we don't even understand how precious and how valuable this thing is that he's given to us. And then we receive it and we take it. And then we look at those who have been filthy just like us and just like we are a lot of times and we, we judge them and we, we hurt them and say they're not worthy of the thing that we've received. This is not the way Jesus treats us. Jesus is full of compassion and love toward those who would receive him and strive to know him and serve him. And he wants his people to do the same thing. The grace of God is offered for us to be received and to be treasured. And we need to make sure that we're doing that and we need to make sure that we're approaching holiness and righteousness with the right mindset. That yes, we must become holy and righteous as He is holy. But the truth is we're struggling with it. And that if we just tell people to do it, we're not helping them do it. We must make the change and have a way for them to develop, help them see solutions in the Word, and help them persevere through that and persevere through it ourselves as we try to help and show love to others. Well, this is not an easy sermon. I hope that it helps, though. I hope that all of this is helping us to grow, to understand ourselves a little better and understand the will of God a little better. But if if you have understood all of these things and you've seen that you've been judgmental, as I have, um, then we must make a determination in our minds and in our hearts that instead of judging others, we're going to look to God's grace and mercy and be grateful for it as we try to figure things out for ourselves and as we try to help those around us who are struggling. But if you're here tonight or if you're streaming with us online and you know that you need to be made right with God and and there's anything we can do to help you, we want you to let us know uh, what we can do. So please let us know. Please message us online. Please, after uh, we're done with the live stream, come forward. We're going to say a prayer in the live stream. Uh, You're welcome to come forward after the prayer and we'll talk. Uh, And then we're going to sing some songs afterward uh, to try to encourage those who are here because it just feels weird to leave without singing songs. So we're going to do that uh, in just a few moments. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Lord, We know that your patience and your steadfast love toward us is is never-ending. We know that your patience and your love toward us is beyond measure, that you have shown that to us throughout the Old and New Testament as you humbly uh, wait for your people to turn back to you. We know, Lord, that if we have humble hearts and we submit our wills to yours, that you love us enough to... Forgive us of our sins, and we pray, Lord, that you'll do that for us all. As we recognize our tendencies to be judgmental, as we recognize uh, that we have fallen short of the standards that we have proclaimed to others, Lord, we pray for your mercy, that uh, you would not uh, hold this uh, to our account, that you would allow the blood of Jesus to cover even this. As we humble ourselves and we turn to you, and ask for your forgiveness. Lord we're mindful of the way you love us. And the way you show us your righteousness. And we're mindful of how holy and, and righteous you are. How wonderful you are. How, how, how gracious and merciful you are. We know we're not worthy of spending eternity with you in heaven. But we pray that you will help us to uh, overcome the, the desires of this life that we might live with you in, in your glory and your, your splendor, uh, even though we won't make it anywhere close to your righteousness, we pray, Lord, that you will fill up what's lacking in our righteousness and help our hearts to continue to strive after you day after day. Help us to make changes where we need to make changes. Help us to persevere in your word, to grow from it, to become more like you and more like your son, so that others can see your glory and lift you up and praise you and understand how righteous and how wonderful you are and seek to serve you as we do. Lord, help us all to shine as lights for you and to glorify your name. Uh, Be with each one who is listening tonight. Help us always to find courage and strength and boldness as we approach your throne, knowing that the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse us from all sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.